Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's a How I Got Here version of the podcast with Ricky Kyle, who is a NASCAR official. He's been there for 20 years, as he will explain in the podcast. I had not met Ricky before doing this interview, but I had asked NASCAR, you know, who's an official that has a good story, that has an interesting career path, and they set me up to talk with Ricky on race day at Kansas Speedway right when the garage opened, so I appreciate him taking time out of his schedule to do that. I always see the NASCAR officials in the garage, but don't really know how they become a NASCAR official in the first place or where they get their start, so I wanted to make sure I included some of them in the series this year. This is the first one, so let's hear how Ricky Kyle got to where he is at NASCAR. All right, everybody, I'm here with Ricky Kyle, and uh, Ricky, thank you for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, can you, first of all, tell me what your job right now with NASCAR entails? What, what do you do on a weekend? Uh, on a weekend, starting on Friday morning, uh, we do inspection on uh, all the series that's racing that weekend. I'm in the safety department, and we do all the safety on the cars and trucks, Xfinity and Monster Cup. So you're, you're going around and you're basically checking to make sure that they're compliant with the safety rules and things like yes. that? All their seat belts and helmets and, and uh, Hans devices, we have to double check that every week to make sure the dates are not out. So their, their Hans and helmets and seat belts are in compliance with the SFI rule and uh, in accordance with our NASCAR rule book. Interesting. So how long have you been working for NASCAR? I've been with NASCAR 20 years as of this year. 20 years? Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. So um, I am very ignorant about this and don't even know how people begin to start being NASCAR officials. So um, can you take me through your, your career and your life? Um, did you grow up being somebody that was interested in cars? No, I've, I'm not mechanic, mechanically inclined, but I can change oil and spark plugs. But <laughs> anything past that, no. I wasn't a NASCAR fan. Um, in grade school, I had friends that went to Rockingham every year and would bring back Richard Petty STP stickers. I remember that. And I just wasn't a big race fan. And one year in 96, I started working as a security guard at Rockingham Speedway. Really? And for two years, I just kind of sat on the golf cart because our job was to put out fires during the race. Because if the towel seen smoke, they would think it was a wreck. Oh. So our job was to ride on a golf cart with two shovels and put out fires. Oh, I thought you were using that as like a metaphor. You're, like li- you're literally putting out putting fires. Putting out fires because yeah. people are cooking or burning campfires oh, during okay. the race. Yeah. And uh, so I started doing that, and a me and a friend of mine was sitting on a golf cart one day, and I was watching the NASCAR officials, what they were doing. And I told him, I said, I could do that job. And he said, well, go get a job and then help <laughs> me get one. This was in 97, I think. Wow. So I went home, and my plan was to send a resume to NASCAR every month until they called me or say, stop sending them. Really? So my sister helped me with my resume. I got it typed up. I sent the first one in. But we had a race in Rockingham that fall. So I went there and worked the race. After the race, I went in the garage because I'm in a security guard uniform so I could go in. And I said, how do I get a job for NASCAR? And I asked several officials. I bet you four of them told me, see Gary Nelson. And four of them told me, some off-the-wall, you got to have an automotive engineering degree. <laughs> you got to have a college degree. You got to. But I went and found Gary Nelson, and he was standing in the garage. I didn't know who he was. And I said, who was Gary Nelson? And they said, that guy there. 
I walked over and I said, Mr. Nelson, my name's Ricky Kyle. I'm very interested to be a NASCAR official. He kind of looked at me up and down, you know, <laughs> and like, okay. He said, uh, what do you do now? And at that time, I was a machinist for Ingersoll Rand Corporation in Southern Pines, North Carolina. Okay. And he said, oh, wow. He said, can you read micrometers, calipers, and blueprints? I said, yes, sir. I do that every day. I said, I went to school to work there after I got out of the military. And uh, I've been there, I think I was there 18 years at that time. Wow. So Gary Nelson said, wow. He said, give me your name and number. So I gave it to him. He stuck it in his soup jacket because it was cool. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he said, I, I, he said uh, I'll get back with you. He said, go over to the media center and get a schedule and mark all the races you can drive your car to every time you work. That's within eight hours of your house. Uh, and back then, I lived in uh, by Southern Pines, North Carolina. And back then, it was 16 races in, within eight hours of where I lived. Wow. So I checked all of them off, and I remember when I was checking them off, it started raining, and I was standing on an awning in front of the uh, media center. And then I'm checking them off, and my hands were shaking. I'm like, I got to talk to Gary Nelson from NASCAR. <laughs> and so I gave him, I went over, and I said, he, Gary Nelson wants this. So one of the officials took it because they was in teardown. He walked over, and he said, this is from that security guard. And he said, and he stuck it in his pocket. A month later, April 1st, 1998 I got home from work I had two jobs and I was changing to go to my second job and Gary Nelson called me at home himself wow and I answered the phone I said hello he's like is this Ricky Kyle I said yes it is he said this is Gary Nelson from NASCAR he said uh, I'm calling to see if you still want to be a NASCAR official wow just like that Huh. I mean, no red tape, no interviews, no resume, no nothing. <laughs> just just sight. And so I said, yes, uh, yeah, I, I do. He said, you be in Martinsville, Virginia, Friday night and meet uh, Marlon Wright at the Best Western Hotel on 220 in Martinsville, Virginia. And he'll take it from there. Wow. So I went up that Friday night, met Marlon. He gave me my paperwork. And I remember going in my room and... The guy that I was rooming with, he had his NASCAR official hat and his NASCAR shirt laying there. And I was like, I can't believe I'm going to be wearing this. So the next morning I went to the track, there was no black people working with NASCAR. Wow. I mean, I seen a few in there working in the track, uh-huh. but not no officials. There was none. And they had hired me and a, another black official from Memphis named Tyrone Carpenter. We both started the same weekend. And he worked for FedEx in Memphis. Okay. And so I went in, and my father always said, keep your mouth shut, be where you're supposed to be, do what you're supposed to do. So I just, I did ever since high school, basic training through the military, never had a problem. Did my tour, got out, worked at Ingersoll Rand for 18 years. And then Gary Nelson calls me up, and I said, well, I got to do the same thing again. So I went in the garage, and... You know, guys was kind of looking at me, and but everybody was very nice, and mm-hmm. I had no problems. And when I told my mother NASCAR wants me to come walk part time, she was like, "Ain't that the sport where everybody has a beard and some teeth missing <laughs> and they're drinking beer?" <laughs> I said, well, "That's the fans, Mama. That's not." She said, "You be careful." I said, "Okay." So uh, I went in the garage, and they introduced me, and I'm standing in the trailer. And all of a sudden, like this big shadow was behind me. I'm like, who's that? I turned around and there was this huge fan standing there. And I'm like, ooh. 
and this man says, how you doing? I'm Mike Hilton. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And he said, uh, I said, I'm good, sir. How you doing? He said, uh, welcome aboard. I said, thank you. So they gave me my shirts, and uh, they interviewed me riding in the pace car, Gary Nelson and Buster, around Martinsville Speedway. Wow. That was my interview. Really? And Gary said, who's your favorite driver? I said, I don't know any drivers. He said, well, do you like to watch the race? I said, if I want to go to sleep on Sunday, I turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you just answered the two most important questions right. Mm. Being hired as somebody that knows nothing about any t- any job, their mind is open to learn everything there is. And so I just came in, and I'm fresh. I didn't know turn two from turn four. And then I learned, and mm-hmm. I learned how to do it. And when they hired me, I was the first African-American to be hired by NASCAR as an official. Wow. I was the first African-American to go over the wall in a uniform and work a car as wow. an official. And I was inducted into the Minority Hall of Fame by Wendell Scott's wife at Greensboro A&T College in 2003. That's so cool. Yep. NASCAR, they got me a big ring that says, Breaching the Gap in Motorsports. Wow. I got a plaque, a glass plaque that Mary Scott presented to me. And that's why I had to tell this story there. And we went to a black tie dinner, my wife and daughter. So, and ever since then, I mean, this place... This job, I have never had a problem with anybody, crew, driver, fan. When a fan see official on your shirt, they're more enthused about meeting an official than what color you are. Mm -hmm. I have never been any racial remarks, any that I've ever heard myself. And if you respect people, they respect you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for 20 years, it's just been a smooth ride for me. And I get the most respect, and I love, up to today, 20 years, people say, what do you do? I said, I'm a NASCAR official. And their eyes get big, and they're like, really? And a lot of people say, I see, like in my town, it's a small town, and I can't go in the grocery store, the pharmacy, the bank, and they're like, that's the guy working for NASCAR. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and some mornings when I have to go to Charlotte for teardown, uh, I stop at the convenience store, get me something to drink on the way up, and it's a bunch of guys standing around, and everybody knows me. And a lot of times I've had NASCAR vehicles that I, I drove over the years, and they'd see me coming in in the morning, they'd be like, and they just st- they're staring at me, and I'm like, I'm just a human, just yeah. like you are, and I, I have a job, a regular eight to five job. That's um, all. But you're on TV. <laughs> I said, yeah, you got to be careful so you're scratching and digging when the camera's on you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So how how did your job evolve over the years? I mean, you mentioned when you started it was a, a, a part-time mm-hmm. thing. At what point did it become your your actual Full-time. career and your job, and, and how have your duties changed over that time? Well, for the first two years, I was part-time, and... I worked, uh, they put me right off the bat in the engine department because I could read micrometers and calipers and and blueprints. Interesting. So they hired me, and I went straight to engines, and I did all the paperwork and typed in everything on a laptop, and they taught me how to do that. And I did that for 10 years, worked in the engine department. And then I left the engine department, and I went to the uh, weights and measurements department, and I worked there two years. And I left weights and measurements when an opening came up in safety 
and I got in safety. So I've been working there. But my duties outside of doing safety on Friday, I do all the lineups for qualifying. I line all the vehicles up on pit road. Oh, okay. Uh, I line up everything for the, all the races because I'm ex-military, and I'm all about dress right dress. Everything's got to be exact. The crews, I'd be out there, they say, oh, Lord, here come Ricky with his tape measure. And, <laughs> I mean, I can eyeball vehicles and put them exactly where they need to be. They need to be a certain space apart. They space need to be a certain angle. Certain like angle, that. space apart. And you got to do it by sight. And, and over the years, for 20 years, I've lined up vehicles. And I think about three years ago, NASCAR appointed me lead of, over pit road. So I'm over all the pit roads and lining up vehicles. Wow. So, I mean, if they just holler and say, hey, Ricky, we're not going to line them up Le Mans. We're going to line them up nose to tail. Or we're going to line them up in the pit box. Or we're going to line them up uh, Le Mans style. You know, just they can call me and I can change it and do it right then. Wow. At Bristol Motor Speedway, we had cars all between trucks and everywhere for qualifying because we couldn't get them on pit road, all of them, because the pit road so short. And one day I said, I got an idea, John. I said, John Darby was the director. I said, can we try my idea? He said, if you think it'll work, let's try it. I got all 43 cars on the front pit road back then at an angle. Oh, yeah. And I remember Mike Helton and Robin Pemerson coming out and taking pictures of it because the way it looked. They said, we had never seen Bristol look this neat and clean and everybody's on pit road. Still people between trucks and we got stick officials back there to watch them, watch the cars because you can't see them. Mm-hmm. So I came up with that idea. Then I come up with the steps. If you park nose to tail, it's 10 steps. Okay. That's eight for the car, two for the generator. Okay. If you park Le Mans, I can do five steps between each car, six steps or seven steps. If they say, we need room, I do seven. If they say, they got to be tight, I do five. Wow. So I got that implemented into the deal out there now. Like today, there'll be Le Mans style backed up, and I do six steps between each car. So the drivers got room, and they got room to get the generators out. The teams come to me, and they'll say, Ricky, that was too tight. When we come back, we got to... We need more room to make that turn to get our generators out. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so we'll go back. I'll do something different. And they come up and they acknowledge it and they'll come up and say, hey, that was good, Ricky. You did it like that. I mean, all the teams and the crews and the crew chiefs and drivers, I mean, it's amazing that you know these guys that are on TV and they walk up to you and know your name. Um, Tony Stewart was trying to sign my uniform at Dover last week. And I'm like, get away from me. I said, I got one. Don't, don't write on it. He's got a Sharpie trying to write on my uniform before the race. And Dale Jr. invited me to his house to see his treehouse. Wow. I'm like, what? I said, do you have a Tarzan rope or something? He's like, no. He said, get my number from the PR girl and you call me. I'm like, I'm going to call Dale Jr. to come to your house. I said, yeah, okay. That's cool. Um so you mentioned you were in the military. You were in the army, yes. or mm-hmm. I was in the army. Okay. Um, I did. Uh, I went in the army fresh out of high school. I was. I graduated two weeks later. I was in basic training. Wow. My father was ex-military. He was in the 82nd. He was in 21 years retired, and then he went. He was the first black to be a deputy and a police officer in our town. Wow. And so he. Uh, you know, he instilled in me and my brother. I mean, I wore my hair the same way I did 40 years ago, me and my brother, because my father was ex-military. He said, you're not growing an afro and walking around here with plaits in your head. He said, you're going to keep a haircut. 
mm. and you know he was always strict on us. We always shaved, and uh, so being in the military, uh, I got soldier of the month for being the best dressed soldier in the, in the military. Wow! <laughs> Out of two hundred and sixty troops, <laughs> twice while I was in the six years, they I got the soldier of the month award, and huh. I, I finished my three years active duty. I went reserves. I did six years reserve, and I, that's when I was working at Ingus Iran also. So when Gary Nelson hired me, he said, now you're not, not working all these jobs. You're not going to be able to because you're going to be traveling. Mm-hmm. I said, I just have to sacrifice then and make it work. And over the years, it has worked. It's been 20 years of meeting people. I am so close to these people. If something happens to them. It just—it's like a family member, you know. Like somebody dies. Uh, we had this girl that got in a wreck in Charlotte, and she was my partner. Her name was Brienne. I remember that. She was going to a birthday party in, on 77 in Charlotte, and got in a wreck. She had an old 69 short bed truck. She fixed up herself, and didn't have seat belts in it, and she flipped and got thrown out. Wow. And she was brain dead, and so, and. Mike Hilton came up to me at Phoenix next week and said, uh, he said, Ricky, don't don't worry. He said, she's, she's better off where she's at. And I just started crying uncontrollable. Mm. And my wife was like, why are you crying over another woman? I said, she's like my family. She was real, we was close. She was about my daughter's age. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, we work together. We are together all the time. I said, any of these people I work with, I'm very close to them. Yeah. And, and and being here at NASCAR, it's like a family. Everybody is just great. We get along. We party together. We hang out. We go play golf. We, you know, it's all the time together. Yep. And and we I spend more time with these guys here than I do with my family. Wow. So it's 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 good. And and working here, I'm always proud to say they asked us in a meeting um, two years ago at our official conference. They said, raise your hand if you're proud to say you work for NASCAR. And you know half the people didn't put their hand up. Really? Because they're afraid you're going to be labeled as an ass kisser or a brown noser for, for raising your hand mm-hmm. and being honest. I said, I still get teary-eyed saying I work for NASCAR. Wow. I said, I still, when cars go by at Talladega and the hair stand up on your neck when you're down in pit box one, I said, you love what you do. Yeah. I said, you, you know what it feels like to be in love with something because that feeling like when you hear somebody sing and it sounds so good you can feel it you can feel that feeling and that's the feeling I get for working pit road and and being here and I love getting up and going to work no matter where we are every week I never dread coming to work I've never called in and took off sick because I love what I do and uh, the director told me one time he said you know what Mr. Kyle he said you was meant to do this job And I never was one that wanted to be a NASCAR official. It just is something that happened just one day sitting on a golf cart in Rockingham. (laughs) I never heard of a NASCAR official until I was working at Rockingham in the 90s. Yeah. So uh, the way I got to the track down there was from work, a bunch of guys was going to the time trials one day, and I didn't drink. And they said, Ricky, take off a half a day and come with us to time trials at 1 o'clock and drive for us so we can drink beer. Uh-huh. I said, oh, okay. So we all took off and bought a bunch of Bojangles chicken <laughs> and a bunch of beer, and we went to the track. And we're sitting in the bleachers and watching the cars practice, 
And every time this black car went by, everybody stood up, put the hand up. Uh-huh. I mean, even something like was drunk, passed out. <laughs> when the black car went by, they'd open their eyes and stand up and do that. And I'm like, what's so great about that black car that everybody stands up? He said, that's the man right there. He said, he'll put the nose of that race car anywhere, and he ain't afraid of nothing. And that's how I got to know who Dale Earnhardt was. Wow. And I got, I got to meet Dale Earnhardt. I got to work with him a couple of years before he got killed. I was there the night he got killed. Wow. And I have never seen so many grown men crying in my life. Hmm. Yeah. So let me close with this. Okay. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a family and a really cool thing. Um, what if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I, I would love to do that. That sounds like a great job. How, how would you recommend that they get their start these days? Well, they, they, NASCAR wants you to have some type of track knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, some knowledge. And, uh, like, we just hired a girl out of Alabama. She went to college. She's 26. And I've noticed her at Alabama Speedway, Talladega. She worked pit road in security, her and her dad. Her dad's 6'4", she's 6'3", played wow. basketball. And she was very nice. She was I watched on pit road when I'm lining up cars, how she controlled the crowd, how she was, even though they'd be nasty, she'd be polite, and she knew how to handle them. I'm like, I said, she'd make a good official. So a year ago, I told her, I said, you should apply for a job. I said, go to NASCAR.com and apply and uh, send your resume in. So she didn't do it. So the next year, we came back, and I'm like, did you send? She said, no, I just felt like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get a job. So me and my supervisor, David Green, talked to Chad Little, who does the interviews, and we talked to Chad, and we took him out, and we introduced her to him, and he said, send me a resume to my email, and uh, she sent it in, and all started rolling, now she's sitting over there in our office, Wow! and hiring her that she didn't have, like, working on a team or working uh, right in there with NASCAR, just being there on the track and having that track knowledge, she has picked up everything. And I told him, I said, you hire people that's got a fresh mind to this instead of somebody that's worked at a dirt track all their life, and they've got that in their head. Mm-hmm. I said, she has picked up everything. She has, everything we showed her, she picked it up the first time. And we got guys been here five years and can't park a race car as good as she do. And she's wow. been here less than a month because she never knew it. And when you tell us something, that, that sticks in there. Mm-hmm. So... I told them, I said, you, you keep hiring these guys that got this all this experience, but it's like they told us when I tried to be a highway patrol back in the 80s. They said, we want to hire somebody with no experience so we can train them to be a highway patrol. And people come from them lower series, they all about ready to jump and fight and or yell at somebody, and now they get to this level and got this on their shirt, their head is this big. Mm-hmm. And my father always said, don't let a job make your head get too big. He said, stay humble, do your job, be nice, treat people the way you want to be treated. I tell him, I said, I've been here 20 years. I know you got to treat these teams and drivers right. you got to be nice. you got to be polite. I said, you got to, Gary Nelson always said, uh, we're not here to bust their ass every time they do something wrong. He said, it's our job as officials to help these guys, teach them how to do it right, teach them that you, if you do it right, it's going to work out for you. Yeah. I mean, it's respect. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Well, I have a lot of respect for your story. That's really cool. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us, and I uh, appreciate all your time. All right. No problem.
All right, everybody, so there you have it. Definitely appreciate Ricky taking the time to do that. Sorry if the sound levels were a little wonky there. Um, he wasn't always holding the mic consistently close to his mouth, but I was trying to mess with it on my recorder. But he was on such a roll that I didn't want to interrupt him and say, oh, move the mic closer. So uh, that's that's what happens. But um, I thought it was really good, and he was really candid about how he got there and uh, what his past been and uh, how much he loves NASCAR. So that, that was refreshing to hear, and I enjoyed uh, listening to his story. If you enjoy the How I Got Here series, next week's version, which will come out next Thursday, if all goes according to plan, will be with Bob Pakras from ESPN.com. Yes, we all know Bob as the NASCAR beat writer extraordinaire, but he wasn't always on the NASCAR beat. Um, So we go through his career path and talk about how he established himself. Also, there will be a 12 questions interview next week with Eric Jones. And hopefully I'll be recapping the NASCAR All-Star Race sometime Saturday night or Sunday morning. Hopefully they get that race in. I know there's a threat of rain, but I will be podcasting from afar about that one. If you enjoy the podcast and you're interested in supporting these or the work I do on my website, jeffgluck.com, would love for you to become a patron. That's where you sign up at patreon.com slash jeff underscore gluck, and you can pledge a small amount per month. Some people do $2, $5, $10, and that's how I get to the racetrack and make a living. So appreciate all of you who support that venture. And I've been having a great time this year doing that. But whether you support or not, appreciate you for listening as always. And I will talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.